Hello and welcome to the Night Crew Duty Log. I'm Peter C. Haywood, the creator of Night Crew, and I have another great behind-the-scenes interview with you. This one is with Simon Anthony, one of the hosts of Cracking the Cryptic and the voice of the ship's computers. It's a really great listen in which Gabe and Simon take his very silly role very seriously, as well as talking about his YouTube success and his life and all kinds of cool things. I really enjoyed editing this one and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Night Crew Interviews, uh, something I'm affectionately referring to as the Night Crew Duty Log, and uh, I think that's a, a fitting title. My name is Gabe, and today I'm talking to Simon Anthony, the voice of Sirens, the ship's computer. Simon, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Really excited to have you here. You are a very interesting fellow. Uh, just in my brief research of looking into you and your background and, and kind of what you do for a living and different creative activities that you got uh, going on. And so uh, let's dive into kind of who you are right here at the beginning. Uh, as far as your YouTube channel, basically give give listeners like a two minute idea of who Simon Anthony is. Uh, good grief. Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm a puzzle solver. And uh, a few years ago, I started a YouTube channel um, where I would show myself trying to solve Sudokus and cryptic crosswords. And one thing has led to another, and it's now quite big i suppose it's got about 350,000 subscribers had some quite big videos that have been seen millions and millions of times so yeah that that's what i do now for a living is uh make puzzle videos <laughs> which is awesome and i'm sure your mom or your dad or your family members they knew all along that you were going to become a puzzle solving youtube sensation uh, i read an article about you on, on i can't remember which newspaper but it talked about how you worked like as an investment banker and then you're like you know what i'm gonna go start a youtube channel about puzzle solving and so is that exactly what happened or is there a little bit more to it uh, there's a there's a small well there's a little bit more to it but not much to be honest um i worked in the city of london for many years in finance doing doing a job i really didn't enjoy very much um and I basically worked my youth away doing that. And about four years ago, I've always been trying to come up with schemes to do something else, to do something I would feel was worthwhile. And I've loved puzzles my whole life. And with a friend of mine, I, I said, look, we could start a YouTube channel and we'll, we'll just solve puzzles for people. And, and I, I said, it'll be great. People will absolutely love seeing crosswords solved. 
uh, he was very skeptical correctly really in those early days and we would make these videos and they'd be seen by you know a dozen people and it, it took a long time for it to catch on but in in the end it did and a, what was a hobby uh, slowly became something that could make you could make a living out of and then I guess in the last year with COVID, etc., it's become it's become much much bigger, and it's now is now sustainable. So I'm really really hopeful I will never have to be an investment banker again. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. And cracking the cryptic is the name of the YouTube channel, not to be confused with cracking the cryptid, which would be a completely different channel about Bigfoot and werewolves and all that other uh, stuff. And so I can imagine you putting together like this PowerPoint presentation to your friend or to anyone who was skeptical. And it said, it's basically a three-step process. Step one, create a puzzle solving YouTube channel. Step two, Step three, profit. And so is that kind of how it felt? <laughs> like how I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, how in the world do you make a living off of this, right? Is it just from ads or are you now like selling books and doing other things? Um, yeah. There's a, so there's a few ways that it, it can make money now. Um, so one, one is ads. Uh, and that was always, I suppose, the, the pipe dream when we started is that maybe YouTube would pay us loads of money because so many people would want to watch the videos. Well, that is a very, very hard to achieve and we still haven't achieved it now because even hitting the threshold of getting to a thousand subscribers which is the point at which youtube will will pay money to a, a creator for ad revenue that's generated through through their videos getting to 1000 subscribers if you're like <laughs> i was is such mission i can't tell you i mean literally the subscribers drip up one a day and to reach a meaningful amount of subscribers takes ages but in the end you can, you can earn a bit of money from ad revenue but then the channel also we have some apps where we sell sudoku games as well that makes a bit of money uh, we have a Patreon channel where people, you know, kind people really basically donate to the channel, which is also very, very helpful. And then we did a book with Peter who wrote The Night Crew. So we've made a Sudoku book. It's taken a long time, but that is actually coming out very soon. And that, that's going to be quite exciting. Uh, we did a Kickstarter campaign for that, in fact, which is how we're hoping to get The Night Crew off, off and running. Yeah, very cool. And so tell me about how in the world you make videos that are interesting when it could very easily just be the camera is watching a person staring at a blank page. Maybe there's a couple numbers, maybe there's some riddles, whatever. How do you make that interesting? Well, that's a good question. Um, one of the ways is that every day we do a new puzzle and the viewer can play the puzzle themselves. So I think quite a lot of it is that people, people try these puzzles and they get stuck and then they want to know how they should have solved it. So I think that there's an element of that. But people seem to really like watching the struggle. They like watching somebody be stumped and then find a way to solve a problem. And they relate it to their real lives as well. It's very, it's very odd. So it, it provides people with a way of reducing anxiety because they, they see somebody faced with sort of an impossible Sudoku, for example. And I might spend an hour battling with this thing. But at the end of the video, the Sudoku is finished and people really enjoy the overcoming, the fact that a human was able to deal with this seemingly intractable problem. Um, and we get a lot of emails. We've had some extraordinary emails over the last couple of years, especially, but from people 
who really suffer with anxiety or insomnia or on the verge of suicide, literally on the verge of suicide, who somehow watch these videos and find them calming because they have that sort of, I don't want to say soporific effect, but, you know, we never meant them with the intention of sending people to sleep. But that does seem to be a byproduct that some people enjoy. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and isn't it absolutely insane? I've dealt with this as well, where people will send me emails and, and say, hey, Gabe, you know, I really appreciate your podcast. Uh, and and I, do, I do a podcast about board game design. You know, it's just this very niche of a niche kind of thing. But I get emails all the time. From people saying, you know, my mom's in the hospital or I've got a really tough situation going on in my life. And your podcast really helped me through this dark time. It helped me yeah. get over these like suicidal thoughts, whatever. And it's like, this is crazy. Like I never in a million years sat down to create this podcast and thought, oh, this is going to help people, you know, through the darkest moments of their lives. But yet there's something about connecting with people, whether it's through YouTube or a podcast or something like that. So do you have any like really interesting stories, funny or serious uh, of people like connecting with your channel, connecting with you that you can say, wow, I never anticipated this happening. Oh my goodness. There are so many. I mean, you know, you, you make these parasocial friends, you know, I, I, I know people now sort of through through the channel, I would never have had the opportunity to meet. There's a quite a famous comedian in the UK called Dave Gorman, you know, and I now count him as a friend, although I've never met him because we have a lot of exchanges over over email and we've made some videos about his crossword puzzles. There's a big YouTuber called Kurt Hugo Schneider in the States who he's sort of a musical genius. And all of a sudden it became clear he was watching our videos and then it turned out that actually he wanted to create puzzles for the channel so he started to send us his own creations and you know it turns out you know he's an amazing sort of polymath and he's got i don't know whether it's 20 million subscribers on youtube he's a, you know he's what i would consider to be quite a major celebrity in the online world and he's actually interested in in this little channel they're the less serious ones. I mean, we have had a lot of emails from, I mean, as I said before, from people who are very ill or people who have suffered from, there was one I remember that somebody had suffered from a stroke. They had been terrified when they'd woken up that they would have lost their ability to understand Sudoku because that would have made the videos not enjoyable anymore. And they've actually used watching the videos as a sort of therapy and it's taught their brain to make new connections. And they've you know, they've reached a point through watching these videos where they've repaired their brains and they've repaired the injury that the brain had as a result of, you know, trying to relearn how to how Sudoku works. And it's things like that. You think, good grief. I mean, we never would have thought about anything like that. And we would still find it a bit overwhelming, to be honest, um, that those things happen, as strange as it may seem. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing. And keep up the good work. Keep putting good out into the world. Well, you too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, man. Uh, and keep doing Sudoku puzzles. Who knew that doing Sudoku puzzles online would help stroke patients? You know, it, it's just an amazing time that we live in with so many negative, like terrible things happening, especially on the internet. Yeah, uh, It's nice that there's actually some really good things going on. And I guess going back to what you're saying earlier, people really like watching the struggle. They like watching the blank page with just a few numbers, all of a sudden by an hour or however long the video is, it, it's full. And you see this person go through this, this struggle to get there. It's almost like watching a sport. And I guess as much as people like watching athletes, they also kind of like watching mathletes as well to kind of figure out these different things. How many times have you gone through a puzzle and you've just been stumped? It's like, <laughs> I just can't figure it out. I don't know. And you just kind of had to like post the video of your 
destruction kind of thing. Well, we, we, we tend not to publish the ones where we get completely stuck. So if we do get stuck, those videos never see the light of day and they sort of sit on our hard drive forever. <laughs> and when we started the channel, those videos were very, very rare. But partly because of the channel, I suppose, the, the number of people in the world who are constructing Sudokus has has increased exponentially. And where Sudoku has been taken by these brilliant geniuses who make the puzzles, it's to a pretty extraordinary place. And some of the puzzles that we get sent now are so baffling and difficult that it's not that rare anymore that either Mark, my co-host, or me will, will be stumped. Probably, I don't know, one, one video in five where we'll just have to abandon it. You know, yeah, so that happens. It's annoying when it happens. It's especially annoying if you've already spent an hour and then you get stuck. But yeah, it's, yeah. Gotcha. You need to, uh, I don't know if you've done this, but a, a video montage of all the videos or a bunch of them which you, where you get stuck <laughs> and it's just your face all curled up trying to figure it out. Or you like saying a bunch of really interesting British cuss words and it's just like drama. You know, you get some epic music in the background and it's just, it's almost like the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you leave the video going, well, the bad guys law or bad guys won this one. Like, what do we do? Yeah, but it's, it's interesting because we've done quite a few videos which have sort of been literally movie length and people. You know, they write, oh, I've, you know, I've got the popcorn ready. I've got it on my big screen TV, you know, and, and it's like they're going to a movie. And it is so strange that you can watch somebody solve a Sudoku and it's like a story. Uh, I know that will sound crazy to a lot of people listening to this, but it does seem to be true that there is a sort of a narrative theme to these <laughs> these epic journeys versus the puzzle. It's not sport as I think of sport, but it does have certain elements that are common with you know, watching Liverpool versus Real Madrid or something. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's interesting how like this Twitch culture of people sitting down to watch other people play video games or other people work on different things. It's very interesting. And it's it's really personality based. And a lot of times like people feel like they have that connection to the person playing the game or, or doing the puzzle in this case. And so, yeah, it's very very interesting, but uh, you're talking about story. Let's uh, let's get into story. Let's talk a little bit more, or actually talk at all, about <laughs> the night crew. So you mentioned that you knew Peter from before. Tell me about how you got to know each other and how you basically came on to uh, work on this project. Well, something you might not know about Peter is that he is a real Sudoku fan. He absolutely loves the puzzles, and he is a very fine constructor of Sudoku. So the place I first met Peter was that he sent uh, a couple of his puzzles to the channel and we did videos where we, we'd solve them. And then it quickly became apparent actually that Peter, he's a really unusual, he's a really unusual guy. He's every conversation you have with him, you know, it, it's full of new ideas that he's having. He's obsessed with John Cleese and that's where he's learned a lot about comedy as well. You know, he seems to have watched basically every sitcom in the history of the human race and taken things that he admires from from those things. So uh, anyway, so we just got chatting as a result of that. It's another of these parasocial relationships. And Peter was the one who suggested we should do a Sudoku book. He had experience on Kickstarter, which is something we didn't have. And he thought that would be a good way to, to make that book. So for about the last year or so, we've been working with Peter to make that happen. Towards the end of that process, Peter said, uh, this is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. He said he'd like me to be the ship's computer. 
<laughs> in, a, <laughs> in an audio comedy he was writing. Um, so I was only too delighted to... I mean, at that point, I didn't realise sort of how serious it was, to be honest, because I'm sure, Gabe, you've heard the pilot of... Oh, yeah. And you can hear the, the quality of the... The voice acting is unbelievable. You know, these people who are... I, I don't even like to talk of myself as you know a proper crew member i'm not so those these people really are brilliant and um you know they have these long resumes of being brilliant at this whereas i'm very much a sort of uh, a limpet holding on for dear life and uh <laughs> making some very minor contributions towards the end of the program yeah i know the feeling and when i was looking at the uh, the list of the the crew and like the different voice actors and their different creden- credentials and the shows they had worked on it's like wow peter that that's <laughs> phenomenal like i was so impressed i was so proud of him peter is one of my favorite people uh he's, he's a friend of mine he's been on my podcast several times we've hung out a good bit at board game conventions as, as he has a publishing company i have a publishing company we're both designers so we had a lot of interesting crossover and when he told me that he was moving to Los Angeles to become a writer, I was like, man, I am so excited for you because like, if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him, you know, of all the people in my friend group. And so I was really excited for this show. And, and yeah, I'm just super uh, impressed, like you said, with the writing. It's, it's really funny. Like I really I found myself laughing a lot more than I expected uh, laughing at a basically a radio show. I'd listen to it on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, and you can listen to it, I think, as a podcast and different other ways. But um, yeah, I was definitely impressed. And I know the feeling like when you find yourself in a room and you like, wow, why? Why am I here? You know, and so I've been there uh, when, I was, when I was playing football in college. I found myself at Auburn University in, in the States. That's that's kind of a big deal for college football. It's, it's one of yeah. the bigger schools. I went to walk on tryouts and I was one of six guys that they picked up in this like random tryout that had like 100 other people there. And all of a sudden I, I find myself in the locker room surrounded by guys that I was watching on TV. Right. I remember like I know all these guys names and I know their stats and, and like there's a Heisman Trophy winner that ended up playing at Auburn. And there's like all these people that go on to the NFL and it's, it's crazy. And then you find yourself just sitting in the hot tub or sitting in the cold tub. Next to these guys <laughs> that, you know, Six months later are making millions of dollars in the NFL. And it's like, this is such an interesting situation. But I'm also reminded Great. I heard uh, Neil Gaiman talking about this and uh, he he said he was in a room full of like movers and shakers of, of all different categories, different industries writers and um, inventors and politicians like he found himself in like some kind of dinner party whatever that had just tons of amazing people and he was standing there just kind of taking it all in and he said a guy a guy next to him uh, also named neil basically started saying wow i don't feel like i belong here there's so many amazing people here i feel like i'm, I'm just kind of like the low person on the, the run like what have i done what have i created and neil gaiman looks over at neil armstrong and he uh, says well no. you, you did walk on the moon so i guess there's that <laughs> <laughs> Good it's great. Our, yeah, exactly. So I guess it's not just uh, it's not just us. I guess even people with legitimate, amazing accomplishments also feel this too. This impo- this imposter syndrome a little bit. So it's just uh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> have you felt that a little bit with your YouTube channel? Like when you go from you know a hundred hundred views and now you have millions of views on different videos. What does that feel like? Is it just kind of overwhelming? Is it just unbelievable? It's unbelievable. That's probably the the best way of describing it. It doesn't feel real. If I think about it, it becomes a bit daunting because I think about how many people might be watching me. And it's a one-way conversation. You know, when you make a a YouTube video, it's not like you're having a chat with with everybody who's who's watching. But everything you say, you know, that they will hear. And 
it's like good grief you know you start to think about every pause every slight slip of the tongue every stutter and yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel real though it, it, it doesn't it's very very i mean it's completely mad as well i mean why on earth have millions of people watched somebody solve a sudoku puzzle it's <laughs> it just sounds it sounds absurd it's probably better best not to question it too much just yeah. cash the checks just cash the checks don't worry too much about it <laughs> but anyway let's get back to the night crew so tell me about sirens the ship's computer tell me kind of basically who this character is what kind of personality that they have what <laughs> what really drew you to that character well i mean it, it, it's a very dry character i mean it's basically used for comic effect because sirens will will announce things that are you know well i find amusing you know like the imminent death of the crew or you know you know that there's a toaster off the starboard bow or something you know just just mad things said in a very dry humorless voice <laughs> there's something quite quite good it reminds i'm sure peter had the sort of old star trek computer in mind when he wrote the words for sirens you know i, I just try and deliver them fairly deadpan and uh, you know and i haven't been a voice actor before so the whole process of recording the lines that i had was very interesting to me because i would read my line and peter who's you know, in Los Angeles, I'm, I'm in London, would sort of say, you know, again, with more emphasis on this word. So I would I would do it again. And I, I, I did try really hard to do what he asked. But as far as I could basically tell, everything I said basically sounded the same as the last take. And But Peter's <laughs> reaction would be like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Amazing, amazing. And it was, it was just very, very surreal. It is a surreal experience recording one of these things, let me tell you, if you're not used yeah. to it, that is. Yeah. Now, where did you record? Like, I've heard of some voice actors going in their closet to get the best acoustics. Like, how did you do it? Oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint. I recorded it at my desk, which is where I record all of my YouTube videos. So Cracking the Cryptic is quite famously um, low tech. You know, we, <laughs> Mark and I, my co-host, when we started the channel, we didn't even have a webcam. We didn't have a microphone. We had no I mean, we knew what YouTube was, but the whole process of creating videos and uploading them and doing things like thumbnails was anathema. And although we have now learned to do those things, we still have to do it in a very low tech way. So, yeah, when I recorded the night crew, it was just at my usual desk with my normal microphone and I wasn't in a cupboard. <laughs> gotcha. well, I guess that does make it a bit easier now would it. <laughs> When it comes to getting into character, did you go and watch a bunch of Star Trek? Did you watch a bunch of anything or do some research on, well, what would a computer sound like? Did you watch, I don't know, Stephen Hawking videos? Like, did you do anything to kind of figure out, well, how, how does a no, computer sound? No, it's interesting, though. You mentioned Stephen Hawking. I do have a, an anecdote about Stephen Hawking because I went to Cambridge University many years ago. And at that time, Stephen Hawking was, was living in Cambridge. And I very, very nearly killed him in my car wow and he was obviously wheelchair bound and he couldn't see to cross the roads so he would just cross the road <laughs> he's like i'm stephen hawking i'll do yeah. it I'm like yeah. no, you're not gonna hit me i'm stephen hawking <laughs> correct but what he hadn't anticipated was that i owned at that time a 1973 roughly morris 1100 and neither the steering nor the brakes worked very well on that car <laughs> and so 
I was driving along the road, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, Stephen Hawking comes flying out the side, you know, just crosses the road, without lo- obviously without looking. I slammed on the brakes. I must have missed him by a whisker. And I sometimes think, goodness, my life could have been different if I just clipped him or something. Can you imagine it would have been, you know, student kills Stephen Hawking and, you know, life would have been, oh, it would have taken yeah, a turn. Yeah, you would have gone viral for something very for different. Something very different. Definitely not Sudoku. Yeah, yeah um, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I remember about Stephen Hawking, actually, I know this has got nothing to do, but I, I, you know, you asked me, so I'll tell you my other Stephen Hawking story. Was I saw him at the Cambridge Union give a speech, and he was really interesting. At the end of the speech, he asked for questions, and people would ask him a question, and then literally, literally there would be a ten or fifteen minute pause while he programmed his computer to to read the answer out. And after 10 or 15 minutes, the the answer would be yes. That was it. So so how long it must have taken him to actually, you know, to make speeches, to write papers and things like that. I mean, none of us can possibly imagine what you know, what life must have been like for him. It's just incredible what he achieved given the disability he was coping with. Yeah, absolutely. I also wonder, though, if he just really liked to mess with people. (laughs) (laughs) 20 seconds. uh, He's going to drag this thing out. He's like, I only want to answer two questions tonight. And so uh, like because I had a a friend when I was in college that was an English major uh, along with me. And we because we were English majors, we had most of our classes in this really tall building on campus. It was the biggest building on campus and had like, I don't know, 10 floors, something like that. A lot of our classes were on the eighth floor. And so you have to ride the elevator up. It took forever because there's only two elevators for this massive building. And so we'd be there waiting for the elevator to come up uh, on the eighth floor. And my friend, he's in a wheelchair and we'd be waiting for a while. And he would go, you know what? Screw it. Taking the stairs. And he would just roll away. Like like he's going to go take the stairs. And if people didn't know him, they would have these like crazy looks like, what? Is he serious? And I'm like, yeah, he's he's serious. He's just going to, he's just going to figure it out. He's going to make it work. Or he would roll up to people that didn't know him. He'd say, uh, hey, guys, anybody uh, up for a run later this afternoon? Go go for a run? Anybody up for a jog? And he just, he was just so hilarious about his situation. And so I, I'm wondering if Stephen Hawking <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe. messed with people. Yeah, he could have been. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been. But no, I didn't do any proper research. I mean, I am a bit of a Trekkie. So I have heard the ship's computer in a variety of Star Trek spinoffs over the years. So, yeah, Sirens, Sirens is my take on that. <laughs> Is there something about the British accent that just lends itself to this kind of deadpan style? Is there something along those lines? There's certainly something about the British accent that has made the channel popular. I'm not sure about, you know, whether a ship's computer needs to be British, but... Well, I guess if you're going to find out that a massive toaster (laughs) is about to blow up a spaceship, I want to hear that from somebody who's British. I think it's just going to sound better than someone like where I come from, from Alabama in the Deep South. Hey y'all, there's a there's a toaster <laughs> out there gonna blow us up. I mean, it's a little bit different yeah, see, uh, in that accent than it is. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the arch mastermind always needs to be British, and the and the ship's computer as well, and then everything else can be American. But I think your Alabama accent's quite good for the ship for the toaster announcement. <laughs> it would definitely so be. A, I need to obviously watch out. You're going to take my part. I think <laughs> I could be the uh, the different a different ship computer. You know, the SS Liberty or something like that that rolls up. Yeah. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? You know, y'all better get by the getting good. 
Crick's on fire again. You know, <laughs> I get, I've got lots of little like countryisms that my my grandparents would say. You know, it's coming up a cloud out there. You know, there's there's so many things. That, <laughs> like one of my favorites, I had this guy I knew growing growing up. If you asked him anything, he would just have these weird responses, and you didn't actually know what the answer was. Like he would give you an answer, but you're like, what are you saying? Like uh, if you were to say, hey man, uh, how's your how's your truck running? Uh, you know, I heard it was in the shop. How's it running? He goes, well, you know what? You drop that thing off a bridge, it'll hit water. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> you know, it's so man. Th- there could be a lot of fun things to be explored that way. It, unfortunately, people where I come from end up playing the hillbilly or the redneck or the bumpkin. It's <laughs> dumb and un- uneducated. And to be fair, that's not necessarily the wrong stereotype to have. A lot, of, a lot of people where I come from, that is what it is. But there's a few of us who have. You know, done some things educationally, but anyway, anyway, do you have any favorite lines or any any kind of favorite scenes where you got to really just have some fun? I think I only have four lines, so this is what I mean about I'm not fit to clean the boots of some of these other people. I do have bits of it that aren't involving me that I think are very very funny. The whole stuff with the Spider Queen, I think, is you know, it just tickles my English sense of humor. I don't know, I don't know why, but uh, it does. You know, the whole premise, which is that the night crew is. There had to do the dishes it's just you know <laughs> at night inter- in space right spaceship it's so ridiculous uh yeah it's sort of you know it sort of works yeah I, going back to the writing i just love the one-liners like the real quick back and forth yeah, and dialogue that, and you can almost get lost like you can miss some of the jokes and, and have to go back. i've listened to it a couple of times and there's definitely stuff that you know on the first run through you don't you just don't you're not quick enough to pick it up but it's still there and it's still funny yeah, Peter's, Peter's a very talented guy. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, the pilot is out, and so the Kickstarter is basically to fund more episodes. And so do you know anything about the other episodes? You don't have to get spoilers, but like, do you have any, any clue about what's coming next? No, I believe what's the, the, the most important plot development, though, is the ship's computer is going to have a much bigger role and possibly become the main, the main character. <laughs> okay. Look out for that. I mean, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe maybe the computer can have a fight with a <laughs> computer from <laughs> yeah. a different yeah. ship. Now we're talking. We've got our own show. <laughs> yeah. We have a spinoff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Simon, yeah. what, what would you say? Like, do you want to do more voice acting? Like, have you caught the bug? Now you're like, oh, this is a lot of fun. I want to do more of this. Yes, I would. But I... Honestly, yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel entitled to do it. I don't have a talent for it. So while I would love to, there's lots of things I'd love to do. You know, I'd love to play football for Liverpool, or I'd love to play the Masters at Augusta. But these things are probably not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, I would, lo- I would love to do more voice acting, but I'm well aware that that is unlikely to happen. Although I would say you have a little bit better chance than some of the other things. You just <laughs> maybe a higher probability. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> what would you say is the most challenging part of it? What being a voice actor? Yeah, it's when Peter says, "Yeah, I want you to read this again in a particular way." that I find it difficult to do because I'm just not used to acting at all. When I'm doing a YouTube video, it's just it's just me. I don't have to play other Simon or ship's computer, or maybe I should actually do a YouTube video where I solve the Sudoku being the ship's computer. I'm not sure people would like it. But don't don't say a word. Just uh, just go with it. You know what I mean? Just act like this is normal. This is how I talk. What are you talking about? And just have fun. Yeah. I did experiment once with one episode of Cracking the Cryptic, which I did. I whispered the whole edition because I thought, because people have been begging for ASMR cracking the cryptic. And 
honestly, while some people did like the video, it got absolutely slated. So I only did it once. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that would be also weird just to stay in whisper character for an hour. It was really difficult. Well, Simon, this has been excellent. Do you have anything else that kind of stands out from the show or anything you want to point people towards or anything else you want to say about it? No, I just I just really hope that the Kickstarter goes well and that Peace gets a chance to, you know, to make more of these episodes because I think that you know, he, he's super talented and, you know, what he'll produce, I know from experience of what Peter tends to come up with, it will be worth listening to. So uh, anybody out there who, who's listened to it and enjoyed it, please do support the Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Simon, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me, uh, the YouTube channel is Cracking the Cryptic. The Twitter is at cryptic cracking because apparently twitter says cracking the cryptic is too many characters <laughs> so either of those things you'll find me you'll find me lurking lurking away solving puzzles awesome well simon really appreciate your time appreciate you joining me here on the night crew duty log and good luck with more of the sudoku puzzles more of the youtube channel fun goodness and everything else you got going on right now. Uh, thanks gabe thanks so much for having me that was Duty Log, hosted by Gabe Barrett. You can check out his podcast at the Board Game Design Lab. Don't forget, we still have a little bit of time left in our Kickstarter, and with your help, we can hit that goal and make more Night Crews. So just head to nightcrewpodcast.com, click on the big Kickstarter link, and keep living your rad life. I'm Peter C. Hayward, and thank you so much for listening.